Chapter 1. A History of California, the American Period. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 1. Boston, California, and Canton. On February 2, 1848, the far-flung province of California, so long the outpost of Spanish advance on the Pacific, passed out of the possession of Mexico into the hands of the United States. This change of sovereignty was the inevitable result of forces set in operation a full half-century before the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo formally recognized an accomplished fact. The object of the chapters immediately succeeding is to explain the motives behind the long-sustained movement for the annexation of California by the United States and to point out the numerous factors which tended to weaken Mexican control over the distant province. American interest in California was first aroused by those New England merchant adventurers of the latter 18th and early 19th centuries, who transformed commerce into sheer romance and left behind them a record of accomplishment and daring that has not yet faded from American tradition. In the beginning, these New Englanders were drawn to California by the fur trade of the northwest coast and the opening of commercial relations with the Chinese Empire. The origin of this three-cornered New England northwest Chinese trade dates back to the year of American independence. In 1776, while the colony of Alta California was still in swaddling clothes, two vessels sailed from Plymouth Harbor, England, a starting point of so many famous voyages in the world's history, to explore the northwest coast of America and the islands of the Pacific. The command of this undertaking was entrusted to Captain James Cook, a navigator of the true Elizabethan type, in whose soul lived the same shrewd instincts of the sea and the same bold love of adventure that had lured Drake around the world and sent Hawkins into the forbidden waters of the Spanish main two hundred years before. Upon reaching the northwest coast, after a prolonged stay among the South Pacific Islands, Cook found the natives of Nootka Sound and of other places where his vessel touched eager to trade with the Englishmen. For this purpose, according to the chronicler of the expedition, the Indians brought, quote, skins of various animals such as wolves foxes bears deer raccoons polecats martens and in particular of the sea otters which are found at the islands east of kamschatka the fur of these animals the writer continued is certainly softer and finer than that of any others we know of and therefore the discovery of this part of the continent of north america where so valuable an article of commerce may be met with cannot be a matter of indifference. The sailors bought the skins from the Indians for a few trinkets of insignificant value and used them as bed coverings for protection against the cold of the higher latitudes. When the expedition reached China, however, the furs, even though badly worn and in most cases infested with vermin, commanded extraordinary prices. The sea otter skins which the sailors had secured were especially in demand, and the Chinese readily gave over a hundred dollars apiece for them. So profitable, indeed, was the trade 
that members of the expedition were with difficulty restrained from seizing the vessels and sailing back to the american coasts for a full cargo of furs instead of completing the voyage to england the results of cook's voyage were not made public until seventeen eighty four but some time before the publication of his official journals the opportunities afforded by the northwest fur trade were revealed to a few americans among whom were robert morris john paul jones and thomas jefferson by a very remarkable adventurer john ledyard who had served as corporal on cook's expedition several attempts were made to take advantage of the new field by morris and ledyard but misfortune dogged the latter's steps so that he never succeeded in reaching the northwest coast again before seventeen ninety however british and russian traders profiting from cook's discovery were visiting the coast in such numbers that the spanish government became alarmed and made a futile effort to shut out the interlopers the chief result of these activities was the nootka sound controversy and the end of spain's policy of exclusion north of california in the meantime the revolutionary war had come to a close leaving the american states face to face with serious problems of government and equally grave economic difficulties the commercial situation touched especially the merchant and shipping interests of new england forcing them to look abroad for markets and to develop new lines of commercial enterprise if they were to prevent a complete stagnation of trade as a result of this condition a certain william shaw supercargo of the empress of china sailed from boston early in seventeen eighty four for the orient reaching macao the port of entry for canton shaw disposed of his cargo to good advantage and thus opened an entirely new field for american commerce for more than half a century the trade thus begun not only enriched the merchants of the atlantic seaboard but also exerted a very profound influence upon the course of california history shortly after shaw's successful venture a company of boston merchants headed by joseph barrell conceived the idea of enlarging the new england chinese commerce so as to include the northwest coast in keeping with this plan the company sent two vessels to the pacific in seventeen eighty seven these were the columbia under john kendrick and the lady washington under robert gray the present narrative makes no pretense of dealing with the memorable expeditions of these two men since their field of operations and discoveries touched the northwest rather than the california coast inasmuch however as these voyages ushered in the new england trade with the northwest coast and china they had a direct bearing upon california history in this trade furs constituted the chief item of every cargo and before long fur hunting ceased to be localized along the northern coast but extended from south america to alaska flourishing especially off the long stretches of unfrequented seaboard and in the little used harbors of california footnote the first new england vessel to touch at a california port was the otter commanded by captain ebenezer door which put into monterey october twenty ninth seventeen ninety six dora was not a fur trader End of footnote. 
most of the furs obtained by american vessels were carried to canton which was then one of the chief fur markets of the world one reason for this demand for furs among the chinese was the lack of heating facilities in their homes and the consequent reliance of the people upon heavy clothing to protect them against the cold both indoors and out by those able to afford the luxury furs were consequently much sought after and the fur garment became a sort of heirloom to be passed down from father to son for several generations when the american trade with china began the latter nation was living under its traditional policy of exclusion foreign vessels were allowed to touch only at a single port that of macau through which entrance was had to canton the trade was hedged about with all manner of additional restrictions which sprang from the pride and jealousy of the chinese government but from the very beginning american merchants were treated with somewhat greater favor than those of european countries as time went on the value of the chinese commerce became more and more apparent to new england merchants the yankee navigators of those early days not only had great daring and skill in the handling of ships but also combined with their knowledge of the sea a native shrewdness and originality in business that made them successful competitors in every branch of international commerce in which they chose to engage in the chinese trade the new englanders had a free field in which to exercise all their native ability disregarding custom and tradition they inverted all the ancient rules of doing business at canton once in the pacific the navigator felt himself superior to any law that proved inconvenient to his business ships papers and names were changed to suit the needs of the moment customs duties were evaded and forbidden trade carried on with calm disregard for local regulations competition with rivals of other nations and between new england merchants themselves led to secrecy in commercial dealings constant search for new fields of enterprise and remarkable reduction in sailing time from port to port for the most part the vessels engaged in the china trade were sound and well equipped but when occasion required a yankee captain would take a leaky worm-eaten craft man it with a crew made up of broken-down sailors or deserters from other vessels sail it halfway around the world in spite of storm and mutiny and make his fortune on the cargo in searching for commodities acceptable to the chinese the new england vessels soon left the regular channels of trade for out-of-the-way and in many cases previously undiscovered ports they penetrated every nook and corner of the south seas the harbors of south america california and the northwest were almost as well known to them as their own coasts of new england they became familiar sites to the natives of the malay archipelago and the indians of alaska and when after sailing through most of the seven seas a new england vessel finally reached canton its cargo would be made up aside from the original store of domestic products with which it left boston of a score of commodities from the world's outlying ports copper from chile sandalwood from the sandwich islands rice from manila and java mother of pearl from the persian gulf and pepper tin fish moths and birds nests from the straits settlements most valuable of all were the furs from south america california and the northwest coast 
by a fortunate combination of circumstances the americans enjoyed a monopoly of this fur trade after the beginning of the century the russians first to enter the field of the northwest were limited in their intercourse with china to a semi-clandestine overland trade of too small proportions to supply a market for any considerable number of furs the english who might have preempted the business after cook's voyage were likewise restricted not by chinese law as was the case of the russians but by the conflicting privileges of two great monopolies the east india and the south sea companies the former which held the exclusive right in england to trade with china was not free to send its vessels across the pacific for furs and would not permit its south sea rival to infringe on the chinese monopoly the consequence was that neither company could profit by the northwest trade in various ways it is true a few english vessels succeeded in trespassing upon the east india company's prerogative but the bulk of the business necessarily fell into the hands of americans in this monopoly the latter were also aided by the effect of the napoleonic wars upon european shipping the new england traders soon entered into a mutually satisfactory arrangement with the russian american fur company which obtained a monopoly of their russian activities on the pacific in seventeen ninety nine under these agreements the russians engaged to furnish furs and companies of indian hunters to the american vessels while the new englanders undertook to dispose of the skins in china and bring back such supplies as the russian company required for its settlements in alaska the furs carried to china were of many kinds land otter fox rabbit beaver nutria muskrat sea lion and sea elephant the skins of chief value however were those of the fur seal and the sea otter the fur seals abounded along the south american coast and on the adjacent islands and from lower california northward to alaska these skins formed the bulk of most of the fur cargoes carried to china until the virtual extinction of the seal in southern waters by indiscriminate slaughter in seventeen ninety eight for example captain fanning in command of the betsy obtained a full cargo of seal skins from a single hunt on the island of masafuero and during the course of the next few years the same island yielded more than a million skins to other american hunters in one year it is said thirty vessels were engaged in the industry off the south american coast california was likewise a favorite hunting ground for these early sealers the Farallone islands alone producing over a hundred and fifty thousand skins between eighteen o nine and eighteen twelve the pelts brought an average price of a dollar and a half for two dollars in the chinese market and each animal also furnished nearly a gallon and a half of excellent oil the fur of chief importance in california history however was not that of the seal but of the sea otter this animal indeed exerted almost as great an influence as the beaver upon the course of north american history it was responsible for the russian occupation of alaska the early voyages of englishmen to the british columbia coast and the first contact of americans with california and the northwest to describe the fur of the sea otter one must appropriate good old sir isaac walton's tribute to the strawberry 
doubtless god might have made a more beautiful fur but doubtless he never did the skin of the full-grown animal was nearly five feet long and from two feet to two and a half feet wide the fur normally about three-quarters of an inch in length had a jet-black glossy surface of surpassing beauty the finest skins also contained some white hairs intermingled with the black the habitat of the sea otter extended from about twenty eight degrees north latitude to the aleutian islands it was found in largest numbers off the coasts of upper and lower california and on the islands of cerros guadalupe san miguel and those of the santa barbara channel the otter of these channel islands in fact yielded the most valuable fur of the entire coast from alaska to lower california and the stretch of sea from catalina to santa cruz was consequently a common hunting ground for american vessels the long reaches of san francisco bay were also favorite haunts of the animal and above the california line it was found in largest numbers in the vicinity of cape blanco point grenville and gray's harbor the vessels engaged in the traffic obtained furs in various ways on the northwest coast most of the skins were secured by trade with the indians in california waters the new englanders both hunted on their own account and also purchased skins from the mission authorities or government officials by an arrangement already mentioned the Russian-American company sometimes furnished American vessels with Cadillac Indians to serve as hunters. These hunters were brought down to the California coast and left in small groups on the Falerone Channel or Lower California Islands. From time to time, the vessels then brought them supplies or came to take off the skins already procured. Since these Indian hunters lived almost entirely upon the flesh of the animals secured, the cost of procuring furs in this way was very low the indians hunted chiefly from the shore or in skin canoes called bidarkas they sometimes used rifles in hunting but more commonly employed nets clubs and spears the use of these primitive weapons however resulted in a serious wastage of furs since many of the otter killed after a long chase sank beneath the water and were never recovered this difficulty was sometimes obviated by the use of a native wooden harpoon with a head some six or eight inches long to which was attached a long string the americans when hunting by themselves or with indian crews employed a specially constructed boat known as the otter canoe this was generally fifteen feet long five feet wide and eighteen inches deep the ends were pointed and the sides somewhat flaring. Short, thick-bladed paddles were used because the ordinary paddle was not capable of driving the canoe through the thick beds of kelp where the otter were usually found. The crew of such a boat consisted of three men, two to paddle and one to shoot. Three canoes ordinarily hunted in company, one in the center and one on either flank to prevent the animal from escaping. Two or three rifles, a little coffee, tea, and shipbread made up the equipment of each canoe. There is no way of determining the number of sea otter skins carried from the northwest coast in California to the Chinese market. William Sturgis, one of the best known and most successful of the New England traders, estimated the number at approximately 18,000 for the year 1801. 
the profits from the trade were often enormous though competition among the traders sometimes raised the price demanded by the indians beyond all reason or glutted the chinese market vessels of from one hundred to two hundred and fifty tons burden usually spent between two and three years away from their home port in new england making one or two trips from california or the northwest to china during that time in trading with the indians blue cloth beads knives blankets gunpowder bright-colored feathers from the sandwich islands or even abalone shells were exchanged for the furs sturgis on one voyage collected six thousand skins purchasing five hundred and sixty in half a day with goods worth a dollar and a half in boston the same skins sold for forty dollars apiece in the canton market on his first voyage richard cleveland like william sturgis a well-known new england trader succeeded in purchasing from the norfolk sound indians more than three hundred skins at a cost of two yards of cotton cloth apiece the same skins were then selling for twenty-three dollars each in the canton market jonathan winship when master of the okane bought furs for two cents each from the indians of trinidad bay another fortunate navigator received eight thousand dollars in furs in return for a rusty iron chisel on one occasion an investment of forty thousand dollars returned a hundred and fifty thousand again a profit of two hundred and eighty four thousand dollars was obtained from an outlay of fifty thousand the average price for sea otter skins at canton was in the neighborhood of forty dollars but the trade was subject to severe fluctuations in seventeen eighty five prime skins were bringing a hundred and twenty dollars each by eighteen o two however they were selling for only twenty dollars a few years later they had a market value of nearly fifty dollars as the otter decreased in number the americans and russians gradually abandoned the organized expeditions along the california coast but for many years the business was continued on a small scale occasionally a hundred or more skins would be taken by one of these later expeditions but the day of the sea otter as an important factor in california history was definitely over before eighteen twenty while it flourished however the influence of this early coastal fur trade and the chinese commerce with which it was a part can scarcely be overestimated from it the american public acquired their first knowledge of the resources and possibilities of california from it also came the first impetus in the movement for annexation footnote the sea otter is almost unknown today on the california coast one herd however has been seen within the past few years off monterey the california law imposes a heavy fine for killing the animals and it may still be possible to save the species from extinction the fur is sometimes obtainable in the london market at an exorbitant price in the footnote end of chapter one